Welcome to the Next Level Life and Finance Podcast. So today I've got the pleasure of having Ryan Porter, our resident financial planner at. Hey Ryan, how you going? Thanks Tane, good to be back. And I've also got the moderator, Joel Kane, with us. How you going, Joel? Oh, ready to go boys. Uh, this is a ding-dong battle, isn't it? Shares and property, who do you go with? <laughs> so what we're doing today, it's uh, the age-old debate. It's been raging on for, you know, over 100 years, shares versus property. And so what I thought I'd do today is I'd get my brother Joel in, who's a bit of an expert at moderating these types of discussions and Ryan and I will um, debate shares versus property. Now, we don't know what we're going to get yet. Joel's going to um, – they've got a couple of cards on the table here. Joel's going to um, flip them over, give either a property card to me or Ryan and a share card to the other and then we've just got to go and uh, on the offensive and try to promote – that asset class so just keep in mind out there obviously ryan's in the game i'm in the game and joel's got a finance background as well but everything we do on this podcast is financial coaching based and it's general advice only so we always suggest before you make any financial decision that you can sell experts and um it's it's funny having joel here because um ryan looks after joel's stuff ryan looks after my stuff and um we're big fans of outsourcing and not going it alone you know i could i could probably muddle my way through what stocks to buy but ports looks after that for me and, and joel you you probably share your experience of making mm. sure you build the team around you right absolutely the board you boys are my board <laughs> ports is my financial planner you look after all my finances and um but boys this is what we're going to do so you've got the envelopes there on, on the table and i'm just going to push one hang on a minute push one over to you i haven't seen these so tone that's yours thank you ports that's yours now what what i want from you gentlemen have a bit of a rock scissors paper while i go through this to see who starts uh but i want you just to quickly uh tell us the asset class that you got and you've got two minutes to sell me it just two minutes two minutes we'll do the the rock off who goes first all right ryan do you want to go for those who don't know ports just smash tone with a (laughs) a rock versus the scissors so ports do you want to bat first or you want to bowl uh i'll bowl You'll bowl Centone in about. Centone in. Yeah, right. Who did you get, Tony? I got the property. Property. All right. Well, that's. Oh, I'm, I'm okay with property. I, I mean, I, I should preface this where I don't think you can go wrong, but property. All right. So. Very weak start. <laughs> <laughs> He's already conceding points. <laughs> oh, no. So. Oh, well, I'm conflicted because I run a, run a mortgage business, so uh, naturally I derive my income from you know to, um, helping people to obtain finance to buy property. But in saying that, I am very uh, pro both. So property, right? So you've you've got to look back at you know if, if I'm starting off really strong, right? If I'm trying to start recover, you've got to look at Australia's richest per, richest person at mm-hmm. the moment, right? Which is the great Harry Triggerboff, and uh, he's very pro property and he's made a fortune over many years in terms of buying residential property, right? And uh, either leasing them out or selling them. So I think you look at property and what are the, one of the main reasons I like about property is because it is such a large investment, right? And there's a lot that goes into it. Uh, people don't transact on them as quick enough and they ta- it does take a lot of the emotions out of it. I think if you've um, made a decision to buy a property, whether it's your owner-occupied property or an investment property, you're not going to sort of have that knee-jerk reaction to sell it if you see a bad news article or if, you know, coronavirus. It's sort of a – you're more committed to it. And I, I like that for people who maybe don't have the discipline to hold their nerve a little bit. I've, I've found that if you can um, – property is probably an easier thing to hold on to long-term, which – and we all know – Despite the asset class, the winners are always the ones who stay in the game for longest. So that's probably my biggest thing around why I love property. And I suppose to that, Ports, you don't have someone banging on your door every day giving you the valuation of your home, do they? So that's that's the fear part he's talking about. 
But you've come in. It was a nice little over your bowl. You rattled him early. What are you coming up with? Well, the big thing for me, I guess, with shares is that what you're doing is buying a piece of someone else's business. And that's what I really like about it, where, you know, Tone, myself, we're, uh, we're out there having a crack running our own businesses to the best of our ability. Yeah. Um, which is questionable at times, <laughs> but, uh, but there's people out there much smarter than us. And so when you're investing in the share market, what you're able to do is buy a small little piece in someone's business who is much smarter, much more successful and probably going to build a much bigger beast than, than we may ever do. So um, you get to sort of piggyback off the back of them um, yep. and ideally profit as they profit, which I think is a good, a good, good outcome for investors. I was waiting for you to trump him. You had an opportunity there to, to go whack with Buffett. He was talking about uh, Harry Triggerboff. Would you rather have Harry's fortune or would you rather have Buffett's fortune? But anyway. <laughs> Hold on. Top, the last time I watched it, Warren Buffett doesn't live in Sydney. <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Right, boys. Let's talk about then. Let's just fast forward to this then. If, if there's a listener out there, they might be 30-odd, very stable job in this time, which is most important. They've got, say, 60K lying around. How would you be playing it right now? Properties cop to hit, shares have cop to hit. There's upsides to both. Tone, how would you? Which way would you be steering them? Um, well, if it's property, I'd be saying, okay, well, let's work out. Yeah, in Ryan will attest to this. It all comes down to affordability, right? So, yeah, the the, the deposit there. What was it, Joel? Six, sixty thousand. Okay, so sixty thousand is amazing, right? To to amass that deposit and the importance of the safe job. That's really cool. I would be saying, okay, well, what can you afford per week, right? What's mm. your, what I call like your throwaway money, where you say, okay, 200 a week is no-brainer. I can do that in the good and the bad times. So I would say reverse engineer that, and that would mean that we can afford to get a loan for X, right? Let's say doing the numbers without knowing the income. Let's say they can buy a property worth 500 grand. Yeah. They might pay some mortgage insurance because they've only got 60, but first home buyer, they get a free kick on the stamp duty. So I would say they go and buy an investment property for, a property for 500 grand, right? Now, and if it's not the property that they want to live in, right, because they might work in the city and it's nowhere near, I would um, say to them, my number one, um, when you're looking at where to buy, my number one um, driver of where to buy property is income growth. You know, so where is because the the one thing that makes property prices go go up is when incomes rise. So I'd be I'd be saying to that person, if you can't afford to buy where you want to live, mm. happy for you to rent, but let's go and buy somewhere that is where the jobs are and it's multi-industry. So I'd be thinking, okay, where's where's a place where they've got different types of industries where people who work there are inc- their incomes are increasing. Buy it, put a good tenant in there, and now that that's that becomes a little bit complicated because if it's an investment property, then you don't get the uh, advantages of the stamp duty exemptions and so forth. But I would say to that thirty-year-old, if you can just buy the best quality property that you can afford, and you've done your numbers so you can afford to hold on to that for as long as possible, and I would suggest that that would eventually property would turn into a deposit. Right, the growth in that property would turn into a deposit for a longer-term home one day. Ports, 60K. Yeah. How are you playing that? Well, like you said, I guess um, it's an interesting time at the moment to be yeah. talking about doing investing. But uh, for a lot of people who are in a good spot, it's it's, it's good time. Like There's opportunity out there where in the share market, prices have fallen 30 20% since uh, end of Feb. So you're able to get into investments that used to cost a dollar for 70 cents, 80 mm. cents, which is not a bad thing uh, if you're a long-term investor. And with 60, like it's probably enough to, to, to get started. And I found with shares, like when someone's doing it first time around, it's important 
for them to feel comfortable with it. Like you touched on it before, the difference between the share and property pieces that every night Peter mm. Overton sits on the nine yeah. o'clock news and, and tells you how well you've done, either green yeah, or red, yeah. um, which is scary. And so um, it, it, you want to be comfortable when you're investing. And so that means with 60, we can spread the money around quite a bit to sort of diversify and, and spread the risk, which is sort of share investing 101. Don't put all your eggs in the one basket. Um, but I would say for someone in this spot at 30, it'd probably be getting them involved with maybe talking about a few companies that they that they use or they know yep. um, or a few investment options where they can sort of see and feel where their money would go initially just to get them used to it. Um, so there's a, there's a few different companies like in Australia and overseas where um, you can put, you know, $1,000 in and that $1,000 gets spread around between 20 different companies. And um, in some of the investments, those companies could be Facebook, Microsoft, Visa, MasterCard. So names that you sort of know and use yeah. every day. And that, that, that's a great place to just sort of get the feel for it initially. Um, strategy at the moment, though, would be if, if, if he's got 60, he or she's got 60, we probably wouldn't put it all in the market right now. We'd probably look to sort of put a bid in. And then spread it spread over that initial sixty because of the wild fluctuations at the yeah. moment. Dollar cost average it. Well, yeah, because that's yeah. the trick. Would be your first experience in the market. We put sixty in right now, and if coronavirus continues to sort of go go south, that sixty turns into thirty or forty in three months' time. It's not yep. a great first time experience. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> so possibly looking at maybe a third in now. Sit back on the rest, and then you know agree on a six month or whatever strategy to put the rest in. Ports, what about leverage? Now, in tone scenario, and it's par for the course, people aren't just going out there paying 100% of the house off immediately. So in his scenario, they're looking at maybe a, a $500,000 loan. Um, in your strategy so far, you haven't mentioned any kind of leveraging or loan or margin loan, etc. Personally, I'm probably looking at at the moment a bit of a combination of two where I've got the home and a little bit of equity there and then using that money to to borrow for funds into the market. Are you opposed to that? Are you for that? Is it a, a risk tolerance sort of thing or how do you approach that? Yeah, I'd say, like you said, it's probably a risk tolerance thing. Probably a bit more of a sophisticated investor. That's a strategy that you'd, that you'd look at. Like the first time investor before, we probably wouldn't be talking about borrowing to, to get into the market. But those that are comfortable with the risks in shares, mm. um, maybe have been investing for a while and understand how that leverage can allow them to get more money in the market. So in that um, 30-year-old example, if he had 60, but then had a property with a bit of equity, he might be able to borrow another 60, put 120 into the market. So, yes. you know, moving forward, if there's a 10% return, he gets 10% return on 120,000, not 60. Um, but then, yeah, you've just got to, the financial planner hat comes on and you've just got to have the chat around. It can go the other way. Yes. Where <laughs> if you get a minus 10%, yeah. It's on right. 120, not but on 60. Isn't it so funny, though, the mindset, not just of Australians, but those in the world, where people are, we're, we're talking to being about, a bit uncomfortable about, you know, putting 60 down, borrowing 60, therefore an LVR of 50%. But when it comes to a house, and you can't just sell a bathroom or a, yeah. you know, yeah. we're happy just to go, whack is 80, 90%, sometimes 100%. Joel, I think, um, and it, I think it doesn't matter what asset class you think. I think it's almost like when you're flying a plane, right? We all know that pilot goes through that checklist. I think people rush to step three too much where in terms of, you know, what should I buy? I think the step one is, especially in these times, is what do I do for work? You know, what, it, where myself employed or do I have a secure job? That's first on the checklist mm. before you even think about investing. You go, okay, is my income going to be fine long term? 
and if it's if there's any uh, concern, it's not the time to even think about investing, right? Then step two, it's like okay, well, income, my income is safe. Are my ex- have I got a really good handle on my expenses, right? Do I know what my leftover is at the end of the week or the month? Because that that ultimately that delta is ultimately what you need. To keep, it's like the fuel mm. for the fire of your investment portfolio because I've seen so many occasions, and whether it's property or shares, where the cash flow runs out and they literally need to sell that asset to cash themselves back in, and it's it's nine times out of ten, it's the wrong it's the wrong time. And you know, I think <laughs> you look at the richest people in the world, whether it's Triggerboff or Buffett. They just, they've just held on to everything for the longest period of time. We interviewed Gray the other day, Chris Gray, which is great, the, the property podcast. And the older I get, and I look back at the mistakes I've made, and I've made bloody plenty. I'm the captain of making mistakes when it comes to finance. <laughs> I'm the vice captain. <laughs> including being defrauded by people and all those sorts of things. But it really is as simple as buy good stocks, never sell where possible, and be able to cash flow it. And to me... Those three things, if you just had those covered your entire life, you pretty much can't stuff it up. Yeah, mate, 100%. Well, and, and probably point three on Tone's list, and, and, and like what you're saying is, like, having a buffer. And just so, like, in times like this, like, strategy-wise with clients at the moment, if they don't have it, it's like, you need a pool of cash that you can just sit on to make you feel comfortable when mm. times get uncertain. And for clients that have at the moment, like a big level of cash, they're in the position to, to have a crack at those opportunities when the world's sort of, you know, gone south and shares have dropped 30%. Yep. So if you can, like Tone said, have secure a job, have a, have a hand on your expenses and know you've got a bit of money to invest. And then if you've got like a buffer to just make you feel comfortable and cover the short-term sort of financial concerns that we all have or might have, then you're in a position to have a, have a real crack at this investment piece. Mate, you're 100% right, Ports. It's a, you need to have all the checks done before you get into it. And just repeating as well, and, and the voice you're hearing now, which is me, Joel, I'm very much not a financial professional. So this <laughs> is you know, general advice only, and you guys out there seek your own professional advice. But Tone, you've got your own little model. Um, I've been listening to every podcast, which is great. You're getting people from New York coming on there talking about the Mean Annex Door. You've got Chris Gray. You've had so many wonderful people who have done so well in this game. You've got your own little formula, which which you've got me doing, and uh, five steps to financial freedom. I mean, I know know what you're going to talk about, but many people don't. Can you share that? You, yeah, well, I mean, I sort of you know how you sort of sometimes you think about why you were put on this earth, and I'm yeah. certainly not a rocket scientist. But what my um, if if I did have a skill, was I can um, get all the information out there, and that's what I feel like I'm on this planet to do is get all you know. No, I'm not the smartest guy in the room, but get I, I get access to the smartest people in the world, mm. disseminate everything they say, and try to build a formula of you know. Look at what Buffett and Triggerboff, and you think, oh, I mean, obviously we aren't them, but what can we do as punters and say, okay, what what can be our small version of that? So over time, and I've just been fortunate to have thousands and thousands of meetings over the last 12 years, and what I've sort of figured out is that there's, there's generally five steps to financial freedom, and I'll cross over here between the property and shares. So I'm not pro either, but what I like about um, property, and this is this would vary from, say, a Chris Gray, but I think there's no wrong answer. Chris Gray, he's done well because he's bought good quality properties, right? And um, Buffett's done well because he's bought good quality shares, and I'll try to I'll give you I'll try to give you the shortened version, but my 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 belief is you got to start somewhere. So whether you start with shares or property, you got to build up, and you've got to get yourself into it. I believe, and maybe it's because I'm a dad. I'm yeah. not sure um, that you. Sh- it's a great idea to look towards owning your your home. It's like your castle, your long term home. And I, my um. So step one is to start somewhere. Step two 
is to increase your investments, whether it's a second property, it's a higher, higher costing property or a more, you start to leverage into equities, whatever it may be. And use step one and two to then step three is to purchase a long-term property. Now that's step three, right? You might have three or four homes throughout your, you know, your, your family's life as, you, as your family gets bigger and your kids go to different schools. But in part of step three, what I want you to do is aim to getting that long-term home of yours paid off to 50%. So you own half of it. And then step four is actually using the equity in that. So assuming you've got stable income, control of your expenses, you've got spare cash flow, right? Then using that equity that you've got to actually then leverage into stocks or more property, right? What I've found is the people that have done that, once they've got half of their home paid off, they've leveraged into another quality asset. Over time, the growth of that asset can eventually pay off the balance of their home loan, right? And then step, um, in, so that leads you into step four, where if you've got your home paid off, then, you, then you've, all you've got to do is use your equity to buy one more investment. And then what happens is essentially you get into that sort of um, utopia of where you can choose to retire where you've got your home paid off, you've got investments working for you that are providing your regular income, and then you've got superannuation or your retirement savings accounts, which are topping up your income. So in my sort of planning, in my um, the data that I've collected over so many years is that's that's sort of the utopia where you've got you've got a couple of you know, it's like a left left right punch mm. your home yeah i call it your second super your investment portfolio or your second investment property plus your super if you can sort of go through that five steps i've seen that sort of just creates a really nice life ports um i'm an aggressive type when it comes to investing but most people many people aren't what tones explained there is is fairly conservative isn't it really yeah well and i think the good thing is you don't have to do too much like mm. to you know tone like we've spoken about this before but that that ideal position later on just sort of having choices and options with your money you don't have to you don't have to make too many um big smart financial decisions like you've said like in your experience and what you've seen over time you do a couple of things right you can end up in a really good spot yep and then you know um, your aggressive nature um, just means that there's more there's more balls in the air. Um, I've known you for a while, and there's, there's lots of fingers in lots of different <laughs> pies. Um, but yeah, it's just that you know your capacity to invest and you know maybe borrow or um, you know transact is more than others. So that just means that at the end of the day, if if they're if they're smart decisions and they're the right decisions, then you know that portfolio or those options that you have are going to be bigger and better than what tones more conservative option is but that's why everyone's you know everyone's different all the clients we meet you know got their own got their own um path that they're on so just making sure that the plan matches you know their tolerance and their preferences what about some tips if we get a little bit tactically men um how to buy shares ports what's the best way to go about buying shares if people are sitting at home saying yeah love all what you've said ryan but how do i go about it yeah so pro- probably two ways one is a bit of a plug for advisors so go and go and f- reach out or find an advisor who can who can help you um sort of you know steer you down the path and make sure you make the right decision and get the right options for you second option is there's a stack of um online i guess investment accounts like most banks like most major banks where everyone has their day-to-day spending usually have an investment arm so cba has comsec anz has e-trade nab has their own macquarie so mm. they've all sort of got their own um sharing ca- account options where you can set up an account transfer some money from your everyday spending and once you're in there you can log in and and there's a list of probably you know 500 to a thousand different options you could have a look at 
uh, if you wanted to go it alone and do it yourself. How costly is it to get into shares? Do you need it? You know, aside from your deposit and, and what you want to spend, do you need? Is there a lot of other outgoings such as what property can bring? No, well that, that's probably the big difference and probably one of the pros of of shares is that you don't actually need much to start. So. Yeah. I've had clients or people start with as little as sort of 500 to 1,000 bucks as the initial investment just to get started yeah. and then fund it each month with a couple of hundred dollars. The big difference is there's, there's no property manager, there's no rates, you know, there's no um, council fees and all that sort of stuff with shares. Basically, when you buy, mm. um, the purchase is your fixed cost outside of maybe any advice you get or trading costs when you sort of buy and sell. Tone, uh, it's a huge investment, yet we see so many people, they just go and buy their own house. Uh, is it smart? Is it not? How do you best go about buying a property? I um, always suggest, you, I would never want or, or try to let a client of mine buy a property that they weren't um, prepared to hold on to it for at least five to ten years, right? Uh, go on to the days, I don't, and I don't know if Ryan um, has any different stories, but... In the last five years, I haven't seen many people who have bought property, flipped it, you know, and, and made money in 12 months. It's just because the structure of the cost of buying property are just too large. Mm. So um, to answer your question, yeah, I think you've got to go, all right, well, doesn't, you know, I mean, no one has crystal ball and life changes, but I wouldn't want anyone to be thinking any less than five years. I'd prefer them to, to talk to Ryan and, and park their money in a more liquid asset class if they're not going to commit to it long term and... One of the things I see a lot is when people make that mistake of buying what I call like the wedge property. So you, you, let's go back to that 30-year-old, right? Mm. Or, or, or let's say you've got a young couple who own a unit, they've had a kid, right? Um, and, and Jess, our brother's a good example, right? So, uh, and Ryan, you gave him this advice. So I'll, I'll give Jess's example, he won't mind. So him and his wife, they've just had another baby. So they, um, they had a home, they've done well, they've got some equity in their home. They want to move, they want to go to the next level, right? But, you know, without giving you the numbers, they, they can't quite – or they probably can afford it. They can get the finance, but they don't want to put that noose around their neck of buying – mm. getting a loan for that next level. So what they've done really smartly, they've rented out their property, right, and they've just gone and rented the home that they want to buy and kept the other investment until such point in time where they can afford and feel like buying that higher-level home. So you're saying and instead of – burning the, the, the funds on stamp duties and then selling that with an agent's fee and all those sorts of things for the wedge property, they're just parking the idea of the wedge property, boxing smart, renting in what they want to rent now, and then just buying that, missing that step altogether. Correct. So they're, they're probably saved. If, if that wedge property, the stamp duty might have been 40, 50 grand, um, and then they might have had uh, an agent charge them 30 grand to get out of that wedge property. So instead of doing that, right, it's yep. they've just rented the property that they want until such time that they're ready to actually buy it. And it's a it's it's you know, it could be a hundred grand saving. Yeah. And and like you said, like the moving costs to the wedge property, then they'd have the stamp duty and the agent to sell the wedge property and purchase the next one. So all up, you know, it's it's a significant expense. And they're still in the market. It's not what they're not in exactly. the market. Exactly. And, that, yeah. and that's, that's the big thing because if they if they sold and then just sat on the money, they'd just be nervous and cautious and probably end up making a, a rash decision to get back in maybe yes. at the wrong time. And one thing I should should point out here, what I what it's I find it I get a little bit nervous when someone would sell a property and think, okay, well I'm gonna put it in shares for a few years to buy another property. That's sort of uh you know that that's, that's a big no-no in this game. And the, the, Ryan would say too, shares it's shares, shares is not a five-minute investment either. Yeah, well, like like you said around the property piece, if 
unless you're investing money that you can let go for five to seven years in shares, you can't really do it because the trick is if you're saving that money to buy a property, if you put 200 grand into the market thinking in three years time, I need to buy my, my next property. Yep. What happened if coronavirus take two happens in three years? That's right. And that 200 is now 100 when you're ready or wanting to buy. So it's just a, it's too risky of an asset to, to put money in for a short period of time. It's got to be long term. And what Tom was saying about trying to be a bit clever and pick the market up, i.e. getting out of property, diving into shares. And uh, I don't know if this was a wise uh, person who told me this, but I, I learned this famous saying one time. He said, he who try and pick bottom Get stinky finger. You, you just can't. You, can't, you just can't pick the bottom, can you? you? You can't pick it. So avoid the stinky finger and just and just box smart. Yeah, exactly. Like you said, um, people much smarter than us yeah. and they get paid a lot more than we do. Didn't pick what happened, you know, in in February and March with the coronavirus and didn't know when was the best time to buy and sell. So the average punter in the street or even myself as an advisor, you don't sit there and tell people you can do it because you can't. Clearly the tale of the story is that both asset classes are great. Property have many ups and downs. Shares has many ups and downs. But one thing you say at times like this, what the, what the shares can do is that dollar cost averaging, that way to – and I'm about to go through this process myself – and the temptation is to dive in and get these shares while they're cheap, but you don't know they're not going to go a bit cheaper. So probably if you drip feed it in over a period of three, six months, whatever the case may be, you take away a bit of the risk. Yeah, you may take away some of the upside, but you also may take away some of the downside. Yeah, you're sort of hedging your bets, so to speak. And like you said, dollar cost averaging just means that you put in a regular investment over a set period of time. It might be six months or 12 months just to spread out the purchase price. Which you can't do with a property. If you're buying a property today, you're buying a property today at this price. Aren't you? It's a whole transaction. And that's, mm. again, just back to that shares property difference is, um, you know, it, it's smaller increments for purchases or sale or selling of the mm. assets with shares where with the property, like you said, you can't sell the kitchen if you need a, a bit of cash. 100%. I think we should probably touch on the downsides of both as well. And I'm happy to give my my asset class a bit of a battering because yep. it's not all, it's not all, you know. <laughs> it's, not all <laughs> it's not like a no. I think it used to be, right? I think it almost, you know, if you, if you rewound 20 years, you almost couldn't stuff it up if you bought property. You so, you know, the old saying, Tone, used to go that property doubles every seven to 10 years. Do you believe that will continue? Absolutely. That's already, I think, been blown away. I think anyone ad advertising that would probably be, um, I'd say would be a bit misleading. Um, because the bases are getting so big now. It just can't continue it, on that curve, it, can it? Yeah. And the incomes aren't, aren't rising accordingly. So I think um, that's probably, I would say that's blown out. To, I mean, it's there's a thousand markets within Australia. Do you know what I mean? So you can't put a blanket over it and go... Because, I mean, some areas it would, right? But And probably just the other one on that, which is a bit more technical, is like debt levels. Yep. Where interest rates 30 years ago, when the Australian property boom started, were much higher. Yes. And over that 30 years, they came down a lot, which meant people could borrow a lot more. So people could spend a lot more. Prices went up a lot more. Where yes. At the moment, interest rates are almost zero. So there's nowhere, there's nowhere for them to go. Yes. So that's going to play a factor probably in the next 10, 20 years in prices. I think... Um, if I'm listening out there, I think you got to realise, I, I, you know, and I've recently just changed the name of the podcast to Next Level Life and Finance because I, I've just seen, um, you know, being really wealthy, that's only a very small part of being successful. Do you know what I think? If it's no point, you know, one wants to be, you know, that billionaire on the yacht where you, you, you've got, a, you know, the biggest yacht in the harbour, but you've got chest pains and yeah. the people who are on the yacht with you don't actually like you. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> so it's... Um, 
what, and I think if I'm listening to all this going, yeah, yeah, yeah that all makes sense. You got to, I think, I, I, I personally, and I'm probably, uh, you know, I'm a little bit sort of a happy clapper in this regard, but I, I love visualising what an amazing life could look like for me and my family. So I'm thinking about all this going, okay, well, put all this to the side. What What's my ideal life look like, right? So what do, where do I want to live? Um, what do I want to do for work? What type of travel do I want to have? Kids, education, what have you? And then you sort of, I like to always start there because then that can, that can really help you to work out how much income you need mm. to earn, right? So if you go, cool, all right, I know that for me to, for me and my family to do all these cool things, I need to bring in 220 grand a year, right? And I'm going to need to do that forever, right? So you will figure out, okay, well, what do I need to, to do in my job, my business, my career? What skills do I need to get to earn that? Where, how much, and this is why I need Ryan, because Ryan shows me the data, okay, well, if I invest this much now, I'll have that much then, which will generate dividends or rent of so with my super the portfolio and um a property you know those combined will give me an income stream that means when i don't want to work anymore or i can't work i still have that amount of income to sustain that lifestyle so i think listening to this it's like all right well asset i think it's quite evident it doesn't matter what you buy and you know if, if, if we call this a draw joel for, mm. for argument's yeah. sake <laughs> no golden point no i mean <laughs> we can't oh, go to golden point ports has got some uh, twins weight ports got it. twins today yeah. um so um actually now i've bought myself time I've, I've got my wife to go and uh drop an urgent delivery of a coffee around a ryan's wife so uh, just gave so me half an hour yeah we bought him half an hour but uh, <laughs> we, we will we will we will uh um, work towards wrapping it up but yeah i think it's the it's, it's the as the quality of the asset not so much the asset class yeah and i think um like if you look at the stats over 30 50 100 years both shares and property have returned reasonably similar amounts um so the the key thing is to be be invested in in one of them or both of them yep. you know a lot of people sort of sit on their hands and don't don't do anything so first thing is to do something um you know we're here today to give people a bit of a guide on the on the differences between the two but yeah the key message is you know do do something and um put, put some money in in these investments and build build some build some wealth for the future can i ask something to you blokes in the fair income stake so you look after a lot of people who are well to do people who are known people and all that sort of thing and if i'm listening to this podcast i'm thinking Oh, I'd love to have these blokes look after me, but how accessible are you people? Like you guys, are you accessible to the listeners out there? How do they get in contact with you? Are you still open for business as far as taking on clients and those sorts of things? Yeah, yeah, definitely still open for business. Um, so I have a financial planning business called Catalyst Wealth Group. Um, yeah, open for business, happy to chat with everyone. Um, you know, we, we do with a whole range of clients from people just starting out sort of all the way up to retirement. So if there's listeners out there who want to have a chat about their situation and what they might be able to do on the finance front, definitely keen to, to have a chat. Um, easiest way to get in touch, probably just call in the office 95251039 and that's Sydney 02. So zero two nine five two five one zero three nine to get in touch with the boys. And likewise, oh yeah, mate, we're absolutely open for business. We um we and like you said there, we are fortunate to have a lot of well to do people, but we, we still have um people who have 
gone through a really tough time. And that's where, you know, we, we get just as much satisfaction out of helping people rebuild mm. and, and, and build a foundation so they can get started again. So we um, we don't have a niche. You know, we're the opposite of niche. We, we're happy to help, you know, Harry Triggerboff or someone with, you know, 10 bucks in their ING savings account is looking yep. to work towards buying their best property. And, um, yeah, I'm so fortunate that we've got a team here at Next where um, yeah, we're, we're ready to go. So if someone's out there that wants to have a yarn, I mean, this is not a – uh, designed to be a plug, but naturally, if there's a need there, we'd, we'd um, all you need to do is give the give us a call on nine five two four one zero seven two, and um, one of the guys he would you know he will be able to at least sit down with you, help you understand your options, and go through it all. Well, the reason I brought it up, and it is a bloody plug as far as I'm concerned, because I was dealing with some shysters and running into these people, naive country boy, and and I get to the age of thirty, and I'm behind on the scoreboard twenty nil, and I'm thinking I've earned this money, but where's it gone? And I run into you two blokes and you got me back on path. So it is a bloody plug. And I'm saying to people, if you're listening, you need a good stable of people around you. And I'm not getting anything for these comments other than, you know, getting the tuition, which I pay for with these blokes. Um, get in touch. Get in touch with them, even if it's just to get a second opinion or something like that, because they've served me very well. And even if it's not us, Joel, because geographically, you know, obviously, and, and capacity-wise, we'd love to help everyone. But... I would say as an investment, and, and to cap off my thoughts on the, the property, I think if you can educate yourself, right, and so you you don't need to know too much to make the decision, but you need to have enough education to know that the person that making the decision for you is reputable. Yes. And with, there's almost like, without sounding too harsh, you, there's almost no excuses now. With a quick Google search, sorts the men, the men from the boys out. Do you know what I mean? If you've ever done something wrong by a client, you, it's almost like you can't get away with it. So if you get if you get ripped off in this in 2020, you almost sort of deserve it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, what to cap that off, I'm saying. You know, I have I have Ryan, I have I, I, my accountant Mike. He's he's amazing. I have um, Dave, my stockbroker Ryan. Like so, and I, I could save money, right? Um, and do all that stuff myself, but it would cost me an absolute fortune in op- in what I didn't, the advice I didn't get. So I would say, if it's not us, just try to build a team around you that can help you along the journey. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think yeah, just going back to my point, like the the long term plan is to to put your money into either shares or property or assets that can give you options in the future. So all the listeners out there, we're hopefully giving you a little bit of education and maybe start the process or um, get back into things or maybe take things to the next level. Like Tone said, get some advice. Make sure you don't make the wrong decision because, like you touched on, Joel, that, that that can really hurt and take a while to come back from. So that's where getting advice helps. But just do something and uh, yeah. Like you'll you'll end up okay, mate. Just get started and keep going. And uh, and guys, thanks for today. I I, uh, I always enjoy these chats. I mean, you two, Joel and I can talk finance for Ryan and I. We we do talk finance for Joel. Thanks for coming in today and uh, you know being the referee. I've come all the way for a bloody draw. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for having me, boys. No worries. Thanks, Joel. Thanks, Tony. Ryan, you get back to the twins and uh, the listeners out there. Like I said. Um, Get some, get some good help around you and uh, we hope today's helped you just to get, get a bit excited about your financial futures and just to know that no matter where you're starting, it is possible. And uh, do us a favour, if you haven't already, um, please hit the subscribe button. That way, every time we produce a new podcast, it'll be downloaded straight to your phone or your computer. And um, if there's someone in your life who you think would have benefit from having this, this podcast, do, do them a favour and share it along and hopefully we can all sort of get started on growing our wealth and building an amazing lifestyle. So... Stay safe, take care and look forward to catching up again on the next podcast.